go ahead and read our verse together today. It's Colossians 3, 1 to 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Rob, thanks again for passing these out. Does it, did anyone not come in and not get one that you would like a lesson sheet for today? If you do, we've got some extras here. But uh, anybody? Once? Twice? All right. We're going to rely on that somewhat because um, uh, as we look through this, I want to make sure that everyone can see or that you have this lesson. Because obviously, I, I say this often, but the reason you get this, and I don't have to fill in the blanks because I always get frustrated filling the blanks, and then you miss it out, and you're focusing on filling in the blank and actually hearing what's going on, but I, I know there's different opinions about that, but I want to give that all to you, but also at the same time, um, that way throughout the week, you can look back over it and consider it and pray over it and maybe ask yourself some of these questions that we'll be going through. After the resurrection of Christ, um, we come to the story of Mary Magdalene. And Mary is the one who ultimately goes and sees uh, Jesus first, and she goes into, uh, uh, into the tomb. But let's go ahead and, uh, and read this. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Okay? Now, this is we're going to go to the second half of this chapter first, and then we're going to jump to the first part of it as we get into a little bit more. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been. One at the head and the other at the foot. Then he asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her interesting dialogue between Mary Magdalene. Now, somebody you know, tells who, why would Mary Magdalene be a follower of Jesus? What was so significant? What did Jesus do with Mary? The seven demons. Was it demons? Yeah. He cast out demons. Seven demons out of her. And she became a follower of Christ and she began following him. But isn't it interesting, I think to me, and ladies, this is not to say anything negative against the men in the room. But I do find it amazing that after the resurrection of Christ, it's Mary and not any of the disciples going to the tomb. Because remember, how many times did he told his disciples, and on the third day I will rise, on the third day I will rise, on the third day I will rise. And they're back at the house on the third day. But she is so, but she doesn't even get it either. And she goes to the, to the tomb, and she's distraught because the stone has been rolled away, and she's weeping and crying. 
Because someone has taken the body of Jesus away. And she doesn't know It's like, Mary, what did Jesus tell you? Now, before we're too hard on Mary and the disciples, again, I probably think it should be a reminder to all of us, right? How many times have we read God's word and he's given us promises and we don't get it? We don't even understand it or can appreciate it. We don't really even believe it, maybe necessarily. Maybe because of life. Maybe we're a little cynical. Maybe because we tried it and it didn't work in the past or something else. But in this situation, we have Mary struggling with this whole relationship. And then she sees the Lord. So Mary goes to the tomb early Sunday morning and discovers the stone rolled away. And then she goes and tells the disciples. Okay, so we, we have this in John 20, verses 1 through 10. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. Okay, so now we go back to this perspective. And we're going to go back to that passage here in a moment as we get halfway through this lesson. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Peter. So the first thing she does is she sees the tomb. The stone has been rolled away. Oh, my word, I'm going back to the disciples to tell them. Okay. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent, down, he, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying there in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside and he saw and believed. They, and then his statement, they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, that's interesting. What do you mean by believed? Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Think about this. I mean, I'm just blown away by this story. Here we have you know, the, the disciples, are, you know, the, the Peter and, and John, run to the, to the tomb, go inside, realize, but they don't realize, okay, he's, he's, the linen around his face is there, and his linen around his body. What's he doing, walking around naked? Or they just take, wrap, unwrap him and take him out naked? What, what's, you know, what are they thinking? So it's Sunday morning before dawn. It's, it's dark out. She can't sleep. She's, she's concerned about Jesus. She wants to go to the tomb. She, she wants to remember him. She wants to go to the grave. She runs there early and realizes Jesus is gone, assuming someone has taken his body. Peter and John run to the tomb, but it's interesting to note two things. Okay, John is the writer, you know, I mean, John is, um, uh, Luke is the writer here in this situation, but this is John actually speaking. John is the one writing this passage, and he describes himself as, oh, and, and not an I, he's the one Jesus loved. I find that really fascinating. And he outran Peter and reached the two first. <laughs> I was faster than Peter. Can you sense competition in John? Okay. Why would God allow this to be a part of scripture? I really wanted to bring this out because I think it's important to understand. What? Okay, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 
2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's inspired. It's God-breathed. Why would God put this in this passage? Sure, we're all different. We all react differently and we're created differently. Yeah, exactly. Somebody else. So that it's real. So that it's real. What do you mean by that? I think you're right, but what do you mean? I mean, you see John's feelings are coming through, right? Hey, I'm, hey, I'm the one he really loves. I'm fascinated. It shows the human nature of John, but also the Breath of the Spirit. Sure. So the reality, yeah. Is it to me that John ran to be first? He gets there and does nothing. Then Peter, who's coming in second, actually goes in and tries to do something or inspect it a little bit. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a, an odd perspective there. Yeah. So John stays outside. Peter just impetuous. Peter, he just runs in. You know. I think that that's also to be done. because of the details. And I think, I think the reality is, is, I think that's the beauty. One of the reasons the Bible is so real to me is that God allowed reality, the good, bad, and the ugly, as you've heard me use before, in the scriptures. He allows the reality of even maybe John's pride to come out because that's who we are. We are people who are still in our sin, but yet, you know, we want to do the right thing. But it's the reality of it. It's like John, God used John to write this and even allow him to put in his own personality in it. His own little biases in it to make himself feel a little bit better about himself. You know, Tish. I was going to say, too, I heard a pastor preach on the fact that it was folded. That that cloth fold in Jewish tradition means I'm coming back. Yeah. It's like I've not left for good. Right. When the linen was actually folded, it was a symbol of, of coming again. He's coming back. And we see this and this reality, but yet they still didn't understand. John just looks into the tomb, which, which was pointed out. But Peter runs right in. Both see his burial clothes lying there, and the cloth was wrapped, that was wrapped around Jesus' head. What can be deduced from this statement? Okay, First, Tish brought it out. Okay, that obviously it wasn't just, you know, disheveled. It was actually laying there specifically on the tomb. The actual two angels was sitting at the head and at the foot, you know, was sitting there. What else is this deduced? How, what can we deduce from this? Think about it. The simple part of it. Don't, don't try to make it too difficult. What can you deduce when Peter and John goes in and see the linen laying there? Mary saw the linens laying there. What can you deduce from that? That he arose. In other words, if you were coming to steal the body of Jesus, why would you take the time to unwrap him? And fold it. Uh, we got to do this right. You know, let's, let's take this off and then we're going to put something else. You just take the body and run. But it wasn't. That case, it was another evidence of the resurrection of Christ. Do you think the reason they went to their homes could partially be because if he said he was going to rise, he's probably going to meet them at their house? It was a cup to them at their homes. Doesn't doesn't really say, but it could be. 
They may have been doing it for that reason. John goes in as well, and scripture records he saw and believed. What does the word believed actually mean? Most scholars argue that he, that he and possibly Peter believed the resurrection took place. However, John indicates that they did not understand from scripture the resurrection at this point. Why? Now, here's some thoughts that they may have. Did, did John write this right after the resurrection? No. Okay. He may have added this in for clarity. At the time, he goes, we believed. And yet we really didn't even understand from the scripture what was taking place. Yeah. I think they, they came in and they, they believed that we were going to go to heaven. And so the body's gone. God has come and taken his son to heaven. And so they believed that. But they didn't understand that, no, resurrection means fully life again in, in, a, in a physical body. And that's something they didn't, didn't comprehend yet. Yeah. Good point. Anybody else? Why? No, Mark. the new. When Jesus rose from the dead, in other words, um, the, the debate of the left behind series, does our does our clothes, you know, if we're on a plane and the rapture takes place, is our clothes to drop right there? And it's like, ah, what happened? <laughs> you know? That's an indication that they may, there might be, and that we'd be clothed in glory and, and have on whatever God wants us to have on at that point. You know, our, our new white linens, you know? No, I was always curious. Why did he tell Mary not to, was it not to touch, not to hold him? But yet he told Thomas to put his hands through his fingers. He hadn't ascended to his father yet. Some would argue theologically uh, that that uh, as she was clinging, that he hadn't ascended to his father. Ultimately, or at least in the spiritual aspect of it, that it may have been more than just the ascension that took place. He may have actually went to the father after the resurrection and came back in, a, in a, his own physical body as such, because obviously things did have to still take place. Um, so some would argue that, um, or possibly it was the issue of, of uh, did John actually, or did um, Thomas actually put his fingers in his side when he revealed it to him? Some would say no, that they didn't actually put it in there and he just, but he said, here, you, you put, do it. And he saw it and believed it. He didn't actually put his finger yeah, through his gotcha. holes, you know, and those yeah. kinds of things. So gotcha. it's debated. Okay. That's a good question, though. Did they believe intellectually but not experientially? And I think the answer true is this, is that, yes, they knew about the resurrection. But they hadn't experienced Jesus yet as a resurrected son of God. So they knew, they, they, got, they believed intellectually. It's like, for example... I can tell you, okay, uh, just something, you know, very intellectual here this morning. Um, I can tell you that 
um, the ice cream shop on Timberlake. Everybody goes to it. Mr. Goodies is open. Okay? Now, I have not been to Mr. Goodies this year. How many of you have been to Mr. Goodies already this year? We're getting a witness. Okay? You know it experientially. I only know it intellectually. You've actually experienced it. I just know about it. They knew about Jesus was going to raise from the dead. But when they saw the resurrected Jesus, it was more experientially. And that's when they fully understand, understood what he meant. So Mary arrives. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. Mary arrives at the tomb and begins to weep outside and, and then goes into the tomb. She's confronted by two angels. Why would the angels show up with Mary and not the disciples when they were there? Because Mary went to the tomb. She went to where Jesus was. Last. Okay, but wait. Remember, Mary goes to the tomb first. So I want to make sure we're keeping this in context from the notes. So Mary goes, it's dark. She sees the tomb has been rolled away. The, the stone has been rolled away from the tomb. She immediately runs back, tells Peter and the other disciples, and John and Peter run to the tomb. They go inside. They see the linens there. And then they go back home. Mary goes back to the tomb. Okay? And then the two angels come. And they're sitting there. One at the foot, one at the head. Why didn't, why didn't the angels show up when Peter and John were there? Interesting. You think it has to do with seeking him? I don't know. It could be. I think this is part of the issue is that Mary wanted to be where Jesus was. She was confused. She was frustrated. You know, certainly something's happened. But she's not done investigating. She's probably scared. She may be scared. And she goes back to the tomb to stick around. Maybe Jesus will come back. Maybe some, she'll be able to find out some information of where they've taken her body. What's going on here? What's happening? See, she's, she's not content. Here's a question for all of us today. Are you content with what you know about Jesus? Or do you want to investigate more and more? Do you want to really find out the truth? Do you really want to search, search it out? I think those two angels met with Mary because... God had a plan. That was, she was the first person. She was the first person Jesus appeared to. Because she was seeking him. She wanted to be with him. They asked her, woman? He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Why? Why would he ask her, why are you crying? Now, this lesson today doesn't shift around like most of my lessons do to multiple passages of scripture, okay? I want us to be in, engulfed into the story today. I want us to think through this story and ask ourselves questions related to this. So I want us, you know, it, it can easily be distracted by going back and forth and things and you can go, oh, this is really good because it kept my mind off. But I really want us to delve into this story today. Why would he ask her, woman, why are you crying? Um, yeah. So she would know why she's crying. Why is Think, the woman and not Mary? Pardon? Why the word woman instead of Mary? 
right? It wasn't a derogatory term, the word woman, but it was, a, it was a, basically an indication of, you know, as a person is saying, ma'am? Yeah, but then they called, then Jesus called her Mary. So right. Made it personal doing because when she saw him, she didn't what? Recognize. She didn't recognize him. That's why he called her by name. But think through this now. He says, woman, why are you crying? Jesus is asking her heart's issue. Have you ever been alone with God going through a traumatic event and you're asking the question, why? You're distraught. You may be crying. Have you ever wept before the Lord? Because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And the Lord asked you in your own heart, why are you worried? Why are you crying? Why are you frustrated? Why are you angry? God knows how to ask the right question for our hearts to get us to the right place where we begin to ultimately trust in him. And see, he's asking her the very important question. Why are you crying? And her response was, Sir, if, 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 you, if you know where the, the body of the Lord is, let me know and I'll go get him. See, she still thinks he's dead. I was going to say, when you said why she recognized him, the last time she saw him, he was a bloody mess. Yeah. She's, she's not seeing, this is the resurrection Christ. She's not like, she doesn't get it. She, but she thinks Jesus is dead and somebody's got him. Yeah. Right? She struggles. Yeah. Does she really believe? And this is the heart of the matter. Do we really trust Jesus? Do we really, really believe Jesus? In other words, let me ask this, to, this question for all of us here today. Is heaven real? Yeah. You know, there's a movie about a book on all that. Is heaven real? Yeah. Is hell real? But what does that mean to us now? How does that really impact us now? What do we really think about that now? Just like Pastor Charles' message today, in the, you know, in the busyness of our life, are we really able to focus on eternity? Our life is but a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away, right? So are, do we have an eternal perspective on life? Or are we so focused on the now? See, she, Mary is just focused on the immediacy. Where is his body? She's been told. She knows. The disciples knew. They go back to doing what they do. Are we not guilty potentially of the same thing at times? We just go back to busyness. She tells them she's concerned that someone's taken his body and doesn't where he is. What does this indicate about her understanding that she ultimately didn't get it? She didn't understand that he was raised from the dead. She was told, but she didn't believe it. And yet again, before we're too harsh on Mary and the other disciples, you know, it, 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 this is interesting. And I, this may lead into a new series eventually in this class, maybe sooner rather than later. But do you know the number one, I don't know how many of you completed that survey that they were taking online, that spiritual inventory survey that we did. I forget what it was called. 
But do you remember what it was actually called? It was a survey that we talked to, that we answered questions regarding our own spiritual life and position and knowledge and things like that. Do you know what the number one interest area and, and lack of knowledge was about? Evangelism, yet ultimately the ultimate question was answered end times. Now, interesting, this church for decades would have end times conversations, but we haven't done that in, in years. And people today are like, what's going to happen when we at the end times? We don't know because all of a sudden there's a resurgence of ideas of what's going to happen at the end times. Okay. Is the rapture going to happen? What's going to be with the church? You know, does the left behind series still matter? You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it. it's interesting you said that because for the last almost year I've been listening to Jack Hibbs. He's a pastor at Calvary uh, Chino Hills in California, and he does a series on futures, and it's all about that very topic. And yeah. It's been very informative. Yeah, people are wanting to know because now we're, you know, we're, could this be the end times? Look at all the things coming out. I, I told told you about Amazon one a uh, couple weeks yes. ago. You know, uh, Amazon, remember Amazon One? Yeah. Remember me talking about it? A yeah, Amazon One is, uh, you no longer, Amazon, where you purchase stuff, okay, no longer requires that you put in a credit card to places. You can, it, what, it, what it's doing is it actually is using the palm of your hand. All you need is a credit card that you enter one time and your phone number and you will take a picture of your palm. You have it in there. And when you go to, they're setting this up for Amazon. So when you go to the grocery store, when you go anywhere, you know how it has the little thing there to take your credit card? You'll just put your palm over it. Yeah. And that's how they, get, you know, it's like people are going, end times, 666, oh my word. <laughs> you know, people are talking about it, right? Well, the question is, okay, obviously, and those are huge <laughs> issues. The end is coming. Folks, Jesus is coming again. Yes, amen. Jesus is coming again. Are you ready? The end times is real. It's like, you know, the end times people will be just living their life as normal. You know, hey, this has been, we've been talking about this for centuries. No big deal. It's not going to happen in our lifetime. There's all these things, you know, but no, it's like, it's coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? But here, the question of, of Mary is, why are you crying? Why are you distraught? Well, they've taken his body. She turns around to see Jesus and assumes he's the gardener. She's emotionally distraught. Okay? She's crying. She's been weeping. She's not thinking straight. She's looking at him now and going, oh my gosh, are, you, you must be the gardener. And if you've taken his body, let me know what's going on here. Think about that. She is just, she's not even focused because she's disturbed. So Jesus asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? She passionately wanted Jesus' body, and then Jesus calls her by name, Mary. That gets her attention. She then realizes Jesus calls out, Rabboni, I mean teacher. She then goes and tells the other disciples, okay? So, you know, I, I, she, she sees Jesus, he talks with her, and then she takes off. <laughs> really? 
Okay, she's, she's clinging to Jesus. He says, don't touch me. I haven't said it yet. Okay. I'll be right back. I got to go tell the disciples. She runs off. Goes tell the disciples. Why would she call him teacher and not Lord? So she now sees the resurrected Christ. She's blown away. He's alive. He's alive. And she doesn't go, Lord. She doesn't even go, Jesus. Teacher. Um, you think it's out of habit? Did she call him teacher before? I, I, I think it's, I think it's a more intimate relationship. I don't call you doctor while you're your Lord. Right. It's, it's, it's a more intimate, you know, she's just used to saying teacher. Teacher. I don't, yeah. So I think that's something at least to think about. In, in everything that's going on here, who is the Lord to you? Who is the Lord to you? So she instinctively at this point, okay, she's emotionally distraught. She sees Jesus. She blurts out, teacher. At my thinking, she's, she's responding to her first natural perspective. Your teacher. It's capitalized. You know, it's like God. But teacher. That's who Jesus was to her at this point. Teacher. Who is God to you? And if you were to see Jesus, what would you call them? What would we call him? And let me just ask this question for reality. And, and when we became a follower of Christ, Romans 10, 9 says this, that if you will confess with your mouth, what? Jesus is Lord, or King James, or New King James, the Lord Jesus Christ. What does Lord mean to you? Is he Lord? That's challenging, at least, to consider. Why would Jesus ask her why she was crying? Because he's getting at the very heart and nature of what's going on in her life. Thinking about your own life. What do you believe about Jesus that is challenged when real life happens to you? Think about that. When real life happens to you, tragedy strikes, difficulties occur, you become uh, unhealthy, uh, you are going through traumatic stress of something good happening on in your life. When you're challenged with real life, what do you believe about Jesus that is challenged? Is he there for me? Does he care? Does he really love me? Will he fix it? What's going to, you know, all these kinds of things comes into life. And if Jesus were to ask you, why are you crying? Why are you stressed? Why don't you believe? Why don't you trust me? What are you looking for to satisfy yourself outside of me, etc.? How would we respond? Do we really believe? Do we really believe? And I think this, and, and the beauty of all of this, folks, is this. In reality, does Jesus ever go back and rebuke us? Does, for example, when, when it was mentioned, Thomas, he goes in the midst of them. They're all gathered around. And they're kind of, they're, well, where's Jesus? I don't know what's going on here. I, you know, his body's gone. Da, 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 da. They didn't really believe it. They didn't they believe it. They didn't believe it. And, and he goes into the midst of them, you know, and Thomas had already said, I'm not going to believe unless I, I see him. 
I put my fingers in his holes and his hands ripped, you know, in the side. I'm not going to believe. Jesus comes in the midst of him and Thomas sees him and then what does he do? He falls on his knees before Jesus and says, my Lord and my God. <laughs> then he believed. And he says, blessed are those who believe yet not see. You see, how do we, do we really believe? But it's okay to struggle with that question. Jesus didn't rebuke Thomas for his lack of faith. Jesus didn't go, Peter, why'd you go back fishing? All he asks his labors the question is, you got some fish? Put it over the side. And he comes up and he says, Peter, do you love me? So folks, in all of this, there's a lot of questions that Jesus asks. Over 130 of them. As we leave today, those questions and the things that Jesus wants you to consider aren't things that he's asking you to rebuke you, but to get you to think about the real meaning of life. And ultimately, do you believe? Do you trust him? Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you for this time that we've been able to spend together. Thank you for every person that's taking time out of their busy lives to be here today. And God, as we, uh, as we close for this day, I pray that you would enlighten us to trust in you, to believe. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. And we look forward to your return. In Jesus' name, amen.